You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Oh, well, praise God. I love you all so much. So glad that you're here today. We are going We are going to have a great time in the Word. So if you, if you came in today and did not receive a handout and you want to receive a handout, just hold your hand up. We've got a few in the back there. We'll get one to you if you need a pen so you can take some notes and uh, just uh, want you to be able to write a lot of good stuff down. Um, let me just kind of spend a couple of moments reviewing uh, the, the premise behind this series and uh, just in praying over not only this year, but praying about our church, praying about the direction that God wants us to go in and just looking after and for the will of God, uh, the Lord had brought this book uh, that is on the screen there by Andrew Womack up. I had read it before. But how many of you know sometimes when you get into something and, and the Lord's trying to talk to you, you know you're not ready for it. And sometimes you have to be ready for it. So uh, as, uh, as directed by the Lord, oh, long about November, I picked this book back up again, began to read it. And uh, God really illuminated some things in my life. And we're going to talk about those things today about how I was limiting God, not only in my personal life, but in our life as a church. And, and uh, so I really felt inspired and led by the Lord to, for this new year to begin to minister these things to you. And so I want to encourage you. This is an awesome book. If you don't have it, I highly encourage you to get it. If uh, you don't want to you know, read the book per se, you can go to Andrew's uh, website at AWMI, Andrew Walmack Ministries, but it's awmi.net, and uh, you can download the messages for absolutely free. They're video and audio of where he ministered this and talked about how he was limiting God. And so that's the premise behind this series. And so let's look at the foundation scripture, not only that he used, and by the way, I want to give him as much credit as I possibly can, and of course the Lord and the Holy Spirit, but uh, I don't like using another man's material without giving him credit. Now, I'll do it a couple of times, but after that, it's mine, okay? So I'll give him credit for a little while. But uh, anyway, how many, of the, how many of you know there's no copyright on the Bible? Okay, so anyway, praise the Lord. Let's look at the foundation scripture that the Lord used to minister to him, and then, of course, this ministered to me, and that's found in Psalm 78, verse 41, talking about the children of Israel. It says in reading the New King James, yes, again and again, they tempted God, and look at this, and limited the Holy One of Israel. So the children of Israel actually limited God by their doubt, by their unbelief, their complaining, and so forth. And um, so what God did is he illuminated the scripture to Andrew, and then, of course, ministered it to me. And the main, the, the main truth out of this scripture is the fact that even though God is God, he is supreme, he is awesome, there's nobody greater and more powerful than he is, we can limit what God is able to do in our lives. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. 
It says this, again and again, they limited God, preventing him from blessing them. And continually, they turned back from him and provoked the Holy One of Israel. So as I mentioned to you last week, I, I love to do word studies. And so I looked up in the Hebrew what the Hebrew word means that is used and translated for limited. And it actually means this in, in the direct translation. It means restraining someone from what they can do because of one's own attitudes and actions. So I want you to think about that, that we, with our attitude, our belief, our actions, we can limit what God wants to do in our lives. It also means, and I found this very interesting as well, it also means causing someone discomfort or pain because of one's behavior or attitude. And so if you connect those two together, what it means is, is it pains the heart of God when we limit him. It causes him discomfort when we limit him and don't let him do what he desires to do in our lives. So turn to somebody close by you and ask them, say, are you limiting God? Now tell them this, say, stop it. Okay. <laughs> say, don't limit God. So we're learning how, how we limit God and, and in so learning how we're limiting God, we're going to learn how to take the limits off God so that God can do in our lives what he desires to do. So let me say this, if you missed last week's message, please, please, please go out and listen to it because there are some things we talked about last week that I just don't have time to review today. And so, but I still, they're still important and I still want you to get them. But I do wanna just address some things and I'm gonna cover some things fairly quick so that we can get to something that I really need to share with you about how I was limiting God. I want to be totally transparent with you and uh, show you this. So how do we limit God? So here's a couple of things that we covered last week. The first way that we limit God is through our wrong beliefs. You know, that sounds very simple, but when we believe the wrong thing about God, his character, and what he desires to do in our lives, we limit him. We take away from him the ability to be able to minister to us and to do in our lives what he desires to do. So we limit God through our wrong beliefs. Here's the second thing we talked about last week, and that is this. We limit God by comparing ourselves with others. Now, we've heard this in the sense of, uh, you know, being jealous of, uh, of someone else's success, maybe, and what God is doing in their lives. But, but really, and that's true, and that's applicable, but the way that we limit God by comparing ourselves to others is when we see the failures of other people and, and believe that we are destined to experience those same failures, you know, maybe, uh, you know, your family history is such where, you know, maybe you didn't have a lot of people that went to college, got a college education, and maybe it was said to you that, uh, you know, nobody in our family has, has obtained that, uh, gone to that level, and you probably won't either. And so we buy into those types of things. I remember I had a family member um, years and years ago that, uh, tried to, you know, tell me that I wasn't gonna, going to amount to much. And so, you know, we try and disregard those things, but whether we want to or not, if we think about it enough, it becomes a part of our mental process. 
and we limit God through that. Now, what does that mean? Comparing ourselves. Well, when you look at somebody that isn't maybe as successful or doing what God wants them to do, and you consider that you are limited to that same ceiling, you're comparing yourself to other people. We read a verse in the Bible that says it's unwise to compare yourself to other people. Now, here's why. Because when you do that, you are setting a standard for your life that is different than what God wants for your life. Okay? In other words, you set a ceiling for your life and your life will never go above that. God wants you to take the limits off. And, and I'll say this to you, there is no limitation to what God can and will do in our lives if we will just let him. And, and our family history, our past our past failures and mistakes, none of that has a bearing on what God can and do in our lives. Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? Okay. Now, let's get into this. So if you're, if you're writing things down, taking notes, let's go into number three. And again, I'm going to hit on these things, the first seven things, fairly quick. So number three is we limit God by getting distracted by the cares of this world. We limit God by getting distracted by the cares of this world. Now, I want to broaden your understanding of the cares of this world because a lot of times, and I've taught it this way, and it's true, we, we automatically, uh, when we see cares, we think worries and anxieties. But I want to show you that that is, is a little bit too narrow that we need to broaden this. Let me show you what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19 in the Amplified Bible. It says, uh, he's talking about the seed of God's word being sown into our hearts. And he says, then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age. You know, you might not be a worry-filled person, but I guarantee you, you're tempted to get distracted. Okay? Especially with all of the sources of information and social media and all of that that we have available to us today. You know, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when, uh, you know, growing up, uh, you might have had one, possibly two television sets in your house, and that was the extent, other than the printed newspaper, of information coming into your house. Does anybody else remember that? Okay, so any source of news, any source of information other than maybe radio and that type of thing, uh, you know, came in. But now you think about we've got cell phones, we've got tablets, we've got computers, we've got all kinds of sources in addition to TVs in every room just about. And, uh, you know, where all of this information could come in and it has a tendency to cause us to become distracted, like Jesus said, then the cares and anxieties of the world and distraction of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless or unfruitful. Okay. So what Jesus is saying is, is that when we get distracted by the things in this world and, and notice it didn't say evil things, you know, you can get distracted with good things. Amen. You know, just because it's a good thing doesn't necessarily mean it's a God thing for your life. And so we can get distracted by these things that are seemingly harmless, 
But because they are a distraction to us, what happens is, is it will get in and begin to choke the Word of God. I want to show you a story about Elijah the prophet. He uh, had just experienced some great victories in his life and his ministry. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, he had an encounter with God, and he, he asked to, for God to reveal himself to him. And so I want to show you something. In verse 11, it says this, Then he said, God said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great, strong, great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Here's what, what this verse is telling us. These verses are telling us is that you have a lot of things going on around you that are causing a lot of noise. You've got earthquakes, you've got, maybe not literally, but you've got a lot of things that are making a lot of noise, endeavoring to uh, you know, distract you and reach out to you. But notice what the Lord said. And after the earthquake of fire, verse 12, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. How many of you want to hear from God in 2023? Okay. I, I believe that's every one of us. Well, I'll give you a clue right now. God is not going to yell over the noise in our lives. He speaks to us in a st still, small, quiet voice. It, it, that, that actually means a hushed whisper. And what that means is, is God is not going to yell at us over the distractions of this life. We've got to be attentive to him. Now, one of the reasons that he doesn't have to yell at us is because he's always right beside us. You know, you, it, anybody ever had somebody standing right by you yell in your ear before? Was that pleasant? No. Okay, why? Because you're too close. You're too close. Okay, no. God is right beside us. The Bible says he never leaves us or forsakes us. So in order to communicate with us, he speaks to us in a hushed whisper. Now, obviously, it's not out here in the audible realm. It's in our hearts, in our spirits. But the thing is that, and this is what I want you to see, is most people, including Christians, their lifestyles are not conducive to hearing from God. And so we walk around and we go, man, I don't understand why God's not talking to me. I don't ever hear from God. I don't ever hear from heaven. I need some direction. I need some wisdom. I just don't understand why God won't talk to me. I got news for you. God is talking to you all the time, but your life is too noisy to hear from him. And so what, when that happens, we limit what God can do in our lives. Look at Psalm 46, verse 10. It says this in the Amplified Bible, let be, I like that, let be. In other words, you ever... That sounds country almost. Leave that alone. Anybody ever had anybody tell you that before? Okay. Get, get somewhere and sit down, all right? What God is saying to us 
in Psalm 46.10 is let be and be still and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay. All right. Now, I just want to be sure. Look at what he said. Notice he said, I am not going, uh, or he did not say, I am going to be louder and more forceful. He said, I need you to get somewhere and sit down and be still so I can talk to you. And so that's what you're going to have to make the decision. In 2023, that you are going to position yourself so God can talk to you. God can minister to you. Because when we, when we don't do that, we limit what he wants to do in our lives. Now, here's something else. Uh, you know, again, this verse tells us to let be and, and, and you know, be still. But um, I want to show this to you, a little side note. Write this down, please. God has given us the authority to run our lives. You can run your life if you want to, and God will let you. But I've got news for you. You make a mistake if you do. We're allowed to do it, but it is a wrong choice. What God would rather do is us look to him and work and let him lead us in running our lives instead of us trying to run our lives by ourselves. And so what I want to challenge us in 2023 as Christians is let's let God run our lives. And in, in other words, do what he wants us to do, okay? And so the Lord uh, says this in Jeremiah 10, 23. I thought this was an outstanding verse from the Message Bible. It says, I know, God, this is Jeremiah speaking, that mere mortals can't run their own lives, that men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of life. Yet how many people try and live their lives without God's help? I don't know about you. I tried that. It didn't go so well, so I, I'm ready to let God do it. Okay? Now, he has a part. We have a part. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we could just sit down, but I'm saying I, in 2023, I'm looking to him for his leadership his guidance, his wisdom in my life so that I can take the limits off, all right? Write this down, please. We can only reach our full potential when we become God-dependent and look to him for leadership. We can only reach our full potential when we become God-dependent and look to him for leadership, okay? So, the first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to maybe eliminate some distractions in our lives so that we can take the limits off of God. Here's number four. Here's a, a way that we limit God, and that is we limit God because we're afraid of risk. Anybody ever prayed this prayer? Lord, I'll go and do anything that you want me to do. I'll say anything that you want me to say. And as I mentioned to you last week, we put this little addendum on the end of it. As long as, okay, Lord, I want to go wherever you want me to go, but please don't send me to Africa to be a missionary or someplace where the food's not good or something like that. Here, let me, let me help you with something, okay? 
If God ever calls you to be a missionary to Africa or India or someplace like that, he will put something in your heart that will cause you to love what you do. Okay? All right, so you just so you can rest easy. If you let me say it to you this way. If you have no desire to go minister to the tribes in Africa, God probably hasn't called you to do it. Okay? So you can sleep tonight and not worry about that. All right, so we limit God through a fear of risk. See, most people fear the unknown because there is risk involved. You know why? Because we like to be comfortable. And we're afraid that God is going to lead us to do something and it's going to be uncomfortable. Well, let me just set your mind at ease. It probably will be in the sense of it'll take you out of your comfort zone. Okay, so if you want to take the limits off of God, you might have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and experience some risk. There I am. I came back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, so uh, let me pose a question to you. Is, is your life the same mundane routine every day? If it is, that's not God's will for your life. Don't be content with doing nothing but surviving and getting by, okay? We will last longer and be happier, more productive, and everything will work better in our lives when we have purpose and are moving towards fulfilling that purpose. I can promise you. Now, I want to take a little side journey for just a moment, and I want to talk about fear and how to eliminate fear from your life. And I'm not just talking about fear of risk. I'm talking about fear of anything, all right? Anybody want to know how to get rid of fear? All right, let me show you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the Apostle John said this, there is no fear in love. Now, he's talking about, in context, God's love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So let me say it to you this way. What you have to do to eliminate fear in your life is build your faith in God's love for you. Okay, what does that mean? That means that as, as, as I believe in my heart that God loves me, he cares for me, he absolutely does not will anything bad for me, that he's, as I declared earlier, that he's on my side, that he's fighting my battles for me, that he is moving on my behalf. Why? Because he loves me. Okay, um, the, to write this down, all right? To the degree that you have faith in the love of God for you, you will stop fear from operating in your life. Why, why is that? Let me, let me tell you something. Back when I used to travel all the time uh, for work, um, you know, I had to fly, and I love flying, okay? I have no issue with flying, none whatsoever, and, uh, you know, and I just established in my heart, okay, first of all, God's word is true. Psalm 91 says that I'm protected, that God has his angels encamped around about me, 
And I'm very serious when I say this. I don't care if we're sailing through the air at 400 miles an hour and the wings fall off, the engines fall off, we're going to the ground and I'm walking away from this thing. Why? God loves me. I, now, listen, I used to travel with a guy, <laughs> a great guy, but he used to take, have to take a Valium and drink a glass of wine while he was on the flight in order to fly. Why? Because he was afraid. You don't have to live in fear like that, okay? You don't have to be afraid of, you know, getting killed in a car accident on the way home, all of those types of things. Somebody said, well, you never know. Yes, I do know. What does the word say? Amen? Amen. All right, so we can eliminate fear. So to the degree that you have faith in the love of God for you. Say, for me. For me. Say, God loves me. God loves okay? Because so, a lot of us have faith in the love that God had for grandma. Oh, I know my grandma. She could touch heaven. She could pray, and God would hear her prayers, but I don't know that he would answer mine like that. I've actually heard people say things like that. Okay? Why? Because their faith in the love that God has for grandma is greater than the faith that they have for the love for them. You need to get a revelation that God loves him some you. Amen? All right, here's number five. We limit God with a fear of failure. We limit God with a fear of failure. God, you know, because we're, uh, sometimes we think, well, you know, if God wants me to do something, what happens if I fail? Can I say something to you real simple that might help you a little bit? So what? Okay, I never have read it in the Bible where God called someone to do something and they messed up and God said, oh man, I never saw that coming. Okay, no, you need to understand that I can remember being a little boy. Oh, I must have been five, maybe, when I learned how to ride a bicycle. And maybe some of you had an experience that was similar to this. Um, and, and I remember when my dad finally took the training wheels off. Anybody else experience that? How many of you, uh, once that happened, you might have had a little spill or two after that happened and you ended up on the ground, okay? I did. And you know what? I don't recall one time my dad coming over and going, I cannot believe you're so stupid that you cannot ride your bike from here to there. I mean, my God, we've been doing this for 15 minutes. Not one time. But yet we think God treats us that way. That when we make a mistake, now I'm not saying where we live in sin. I'm just saying when we reach out and we start heading for something that we believe God wants us to do and we make a mistake or we fail, we somehow in the back of our minds, we think God's standing up there going, I cannot believe you did that. Nope, God doesn't do that. Matter of fact, I believe if you go after the will of God, listen to me carefully. I believe if you go after the will of God and you mess up, all right, when you get to heaven, 
God is going to say, you know what? I appreciate you trying. Are you still here? See, the biggest failure is when we play it too safe because we're afraid of making mistakes and we don't do anything. If we're afraid of doing something because we may not do it perfectly, we'll never get anything done. Now, that's something I've had to deal with because I have a tendency to be a, a little OCD in some areas, like some of y'all. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, it couldn't be done perfectly, now this is a demand I would place on myself, if it couldn't be done perfectly, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. How many of you know sometimes you just have to do something and then do your very best. It may not be perfect, but you do your very best. See, it's actually better to step out and believe God. And if we fail, let God pick us up, dust us off so we can get up and we can do it again. I love the scripture in Proverbs that says the righteous may fall seven times. But the, in my paraphrasation, but the Lord will pick you up, dust you off and get you going again. Amen. If you believe that God has put something in your heart, do it. Start moving in that direction. Anybody ever uh, tried to push a car that was broke down? How many of you know it's easier to push a stalled car once it's moving and steer it than it is to steer it while it's sitting still? Okay? A lot of us are just sitting still saying, God, I need some direction. And God saying, well, take some steps. Oh, no, Lord, I need direction. Oh, God, I need some wisdom. God's saying, take a step. Because here's what will happen. When you take a step and start heading somewhere, God can steer you. But he can't steer you when you're sitting still. I can tell this is just exciting, y'all, to no end. All right, here's number six. <laughs> Write this down. We limit God with a fear of change. We don't like change. We tie God's hands when, when he starts talking about change, okay? Why? Because we're creatures of habit. We can be afraid to do something different. It might require me to get out of my comfort zone. Sometimes, and I, I, this is going to seem hard, just I'm talking to the person next to you, not to you, okay? Sometimes we like to keep things the same because we're lazy and comfortable and don't like the effort that, it, that might be required to make that change. Can I, can I just be real? Sometimes we just like the status quo because we're lazy. Well, I'm going to just talk to me, all right? Okay? Uh, that's not y'all, all right? We limit God because we're afraid of change. He might ask us to change. Well, guess what? Welcome to the Christian life. Being a believer is all about change. I heard somebody, it might have been Bishop Jakes or somebody say, the Christian life is a series of adjustments and repair. Adjusting and repairing. So we've got to be willing to accept change. Here's number seven. We limit God because of a fear of man. A fear of man. Again, if you are confident in God's love for you, now, and listen, we're not cocky when we say this, all right, and I'm not trying to imply that, but if we are confident and, and our faith in, in God's love for us is strong, it's not going to matter what 
people think about you, okay? How many of you uh, like to be liked? Some of you aren't telling the truth. How many of us like people to like us? Okay, I think if, you, if I ask that question and somebody said, mm-mm, I don't like people to like me. Matter of fact, I like it when everybody dislikes me. Something's wrong with you, okay? So what we like to do is because we're afraid of what people will think about us, we limit God. And here's another way. I'm going to say this to you. Okay, when you make a decision, I am going to obey God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Can I say this to you? You will be persecuted. So just accept it. I read it this morning. Jesus made a statement and he said this. He said, if they so persecuted the son of man and all of who he is, you're not above that, okay? So, so can I say this to you? If you're holding back from doing what God wants you to do because you're afraid of persecution, you're limiting what God can do and wants to do in your life. Just take it to the bank. People are going to persecute you. Now, granted, none of us like to be persecuted, None of us do. Again, if you like persecution and you're like, I just love that, you're strange. Okay, nobody likes to be persecuted. Nobody likes people being mad at them, hating them, saying bad things about them. Nobody likes that. But it comes with the territory. So settle this. If you're going to do what God has told you to do, and become someone who is in a position of influence over other people or in your life, there is going to be persecution, okay? Now, let me say, let me make a comment and say this. Um, All of these have had a factor in my life in one form or another, okay? Now, I have to be willing to accept the fact, and I'm going to use myself as an example right now. I have to be willing to accept the fact that just because when our church grows and we are ministering to lots of people, there is going to be persecution. And I need to be ready to take it and handle it. And by the way, I am. Because God has been preparing me for years. Now, I could tell I could tell y'all stories that over the last 17 years of things that have happened, even with our church being relatively small, and it would probably shock some of you, okay? Because, and I know what God was doing, okay? Now, he didn't instigate it, but he was preparing me so that when we do get big, it's no big deal. Hello? Okay, all right, so settle this. If you're going to do what God has told you to do and become someone who's in a position of influence, there is going to be persecution. This is why most people prefer to stay in the background and remain anonymous because you avoid all of that. Well, I, I, I'm going to say this. Um, it's time, 
I hope this doesn't come across wrong. It's time for Christians to come out of the closet. Hello? Okay. God doesn't have any secret agents. Okay. I'll just leave that right there. Proverbs 29, verse 25 in the Amplified says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever leans on trust in and puts his confidence in the Lord is safe and set on high. So make up your mind right now that you're not afraid of people. I love what God told Jeremiah when Jeremiah was starting off in his ministry. Don't be moved by the faces of the people. Meaning, don't let this bother you when you're doing what God wants you to do. Am I helping anybody? All right, now here's number eight. And before we get into number eight, this is the one I want to park on for just a few minutes, okay? Let me lay some groundwork for you, all right? And I'll go ahead and give you this, so write this down. We limit God because of a fear of success. Now that may sound really strange, and I'll explain it, but we limit God because of a fear of of success. Um, early on, well, let me just go way back. Um, when I was a junior in high school, so 1979-80 was that school year, is I gave my heart to Christ, sold out to Jesus in December of 1977, lived for the Lord, and, and was growing in the things of God, growing in the Word of God, and uh, the Lord began to deal with me and to let me see glimpses of me being called to ministry. Now, this is when I was a junior in high school. Uh, you know, it's just about five years ago. And so, <clears throat> I don't know why y'all laughing. That ain't funny. No, and so, here's the way it played out. I would be reading, studying, and, and praying, and I would see in the eyes of my spirit me standing up in front of thousands of people teaching and preaching the Word of God. And this, this would come up in my spirit over and over and over again. And I wasn't pursuing it. I wasn't looking. I wasn't desiring that. And so finally, after it was persistent, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what is this? What is this that keeps coming up in my heart? And he replied to me and he said, this is what I have called you to do. I want you to teach my word to my people. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, I was very excited. I was very zealous of what I believe God called me to do. Um, as a junior, no, I think I was a senior by this time. And I went to, at the time, was going to the student body-wise, the largest high school in, in, the, in North Carolina at the time. It was Independence High School, go Patriots. And so um, at that time, um, I was pursuing using the high school auditorium so I could have me some meetings, so I could teach the Word of God. I didn't know anything. I don't know what I was thinking. I could have gotten up there and taught everything I knew in about five minutes. You know, and I could repeat some messages that I had heard other ministers preach and teach, but, but thank God, he, he saw my zeal, he saw my excitement, and wasn't turned off by that at all. And so every time I went to the office and wanted to talk to my principal about, 
getting the, the auditorium. We had a big auditorium there in the school, using the auditorium so I could preach the gospel. He was never in the office. Every time I would go, he was never in the office. And I look back on that and I thank God he was not in the office. I don't know if he would have let me do it. I, I mean, we had a good relationship, uh, but uh, I, I'm just, I thank God it never worked out because I would have fallen flat on my face. I wasn't ready. I thought I was, but I wasn't ready. But I had this vision on the inside of me and I knew what God had called me to do. And um, so fast forward a couple more years, I, I went to Bible school and uh, that zeal, that vision, that desire to minister the word of God just grew exponentially. I could see myself doing this and, and, and ministering to great numbers of people. And, uh, you know, I never was really pursuing it. I wanted to obey God, but it wasn't about me. I wasn't looking for a platform for me. I wanted to, I was excited about the word of God and the change that it was making in my life. And so uh, fast forward to 1984, I got into uh, a church and in that church, the pastor uh, got up and, and prophesied to me and gave me a warning about pride. And I'm not saying that what he said was not applicable, but what I did is I took that and it totally took the wind out of my sails because it almost came across as if the Lord was saying to me that that, that desire and wanting to fulfill the will of God for my life was rooted in pride, okay? Since then, I've gone to the Lord and talked to him about that, and he told me that I made a bigger deal about it than he intended or that I really needed to. But what I did is, is I began to let that take the wind out of my sails and that vision became smaller and smaller and smaller because the devil used that to beat me up and to say all of that desire for success in ministry was rooted in pride. And I'm smart enough. I know what the Bible says. Look, look at these couple of scriptures, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride, you've heard, probably heard this. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And those are true statements. You know, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, uh, Peter wrote and said, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submitted to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, the last thing I want to do is do anything that resists God. My heart was, was bent towards pleasing God and doing everything that God wanted me to do. And so what has happened over the last nearly 40 years is I began to limit God because I was afraid of what would happen to me if I became successful. Now, here's why, and, and, and th there's some other circumstances. Um, how many of, well, I'm not even going to call the name. There was a large, large worldwide ministry that was based here that basically was destroyed because the leadership got caught up in pride. I've seen minister after minister after minister stumble and fall because they began to think that they were the reason for their own success. I've worked for pastors who 
are no longer pastoring today because of the very thing I'm describing to you. And what, I, what happened is I allowed that to begin to get into my thinking and get into my heart and, and, and basically squash the vision that God had put in the inside of me because I did not want to end up where they ended up. Now, I want to just say this to you. Um, and, and by the way, there's leaders in the Bible that this happened to. Think about King Saul. Samuel went to King Saul one day later on in his reign after Saul fell off the rails. And he said, while you, this is my paraphrasation, but while you were small in your own eyes, God could use you. But once you began to see yourself and think you were it, that's when God had to take his hand off your life. King David even messed up because of pride. You know, he all the successes and love for God that he had and everything that God used him to do, there came a time when he was his, his kingdom was very successful and when he should have been on the battlefield, he was at home and wandered out on his roof and saw a young lady taking a bath and you know the rest of the story. He ended up getting her pregnant, having her husband killed, all because of pride. Now, why am I saying this to you? Because what it did to me was this fear of success limited God and what God, I'm being very transparent with you right now, what God has been able to do in our church. And over the last couple of months, what God has done is he has shined a huge spotlight on this right here, what I'm telling you right now. And, you know, I've struggled for years. God, why, why, where's the vision? I, I, I know in my heart, deep down somewhere in the crevices of my heart, you want to do great things in our church. But where is the vision? The vision uh, I squashed. Now, what do I mean by that? I would not allow myself to dream big and have big vision because I was afraid of success. Now, here's the, the cunning craftiness of the devil. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen to me very carefully, okay? The very fact that I was afraid of this was pride in and of itself. Now, what do I mean by that? My confidence was in my own ability to protect myself from the pride instead of believing that God loves me and he cares for me and he would protect me from that. So I was trying to be my own God in that one area and what it did is it limited what God wanted to do. Is this making sense to you? Okay. So I want you to know um, I've dealt with this. Okay. I'm not afraid of success anymore. I said I'm not afraid of success anymore. Okay. Um, I am not willing to continue to limit God and what God wants to do in our church because I'm afraid 
of success. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't, <laughs> as, as I just told you in the dates and times, uh, okay, I've been preparing for this for 40 years. I kind of get an idea of why Moses was on the backside of the Midian Desert for 40 years before God called him to go and deliver the children of Israel. Okay? I've been preparing for where we are headed for 40 years. And thank God he loves me enough, cares for me enough, and has brought us full circle all the way back around to this moment so that in November and December of 2022, I could have a burning bush experience and God could stir my heart and reveal to me once again what he had called me to do in 1979. I, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, okay? Because I do not despise small beginnings. But the ultimate end of my ministry is not to minister to 30 people. I can remember in 1984, standing in front, I'm going to date myself with this, the Charlotte Coliseum, when the Charlotte Coliseum was on Independence Boulevard, now known as Bojangles Arena, that was the Charlotte Coliseum in 1984. And across the street from the Coliseum before Independence Boulevard became a freeway, uh, there used to be an IHOP right across the street. Now, if you've lived in Charlotte all your life, you know what I'm talking about. And I stood out. We had gone, I'd gone with some friends to eat breakfast at that IHOP, and I remember standing in the parking lot of that IHOP looking across the street at the Charlotte Coliseum, and it rose up on the inside of me, and I declared this then. I'm going to preach in that building one day. Now, uh, that sounds arrogant. It's not. I promise you. It's not, okay? But here's the thing. I let pride steal that. I mean, I let the fear of, of pride and success steal that from me. Well, guess what? It ain't stolen no more. <laughs> All right, so let me begin to, to wind this down. Because of that fear of success, I would not, and this has been going on for years, I would not let myself have or see vision, and I'm talking about great vision for this church. I could see day-to-day -day things, don't misunderstand me, but I, I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know how to, and those of you who have been in the church for a while, particularly those of you who have kind of been in some leadership positions, you, you could probably attest to this because I, I cannot recall one time where I've stood in front of the congregation and, and, and said anything like what I'm telling you right now or talked about the bigness of what our church is called to do, okay? I've just barely, you know, mentioned a little bit today. But I want to say something to you, and I, I want to quote this right out of Andrew's book, okay? Because this is where I am, and this is what I'm declaring to you. Uh, and he had this realization in January the 31st of 2002 when God led him to take the limits off of God and, and I wish I had time to go in all of what God has done in his ministry since then. It's exploded, okay? And uh, so 
two weeks later on February the 11th, he had his, he called his staff in to tell them what God had dealt with him and what I'm getting ready to read to you. And uh, just so you know, just as a point of comparison, I'll give you this one statistic. At that time, he had 23 staff members. Now, worldwide, he has 937 paid staff people. Okay? So in 20 years, God has exploded his ministry. Why? Not because of Andrew. Andrew will be the first one to tell you. I've met the man. I've sat... Talk to him. He'll be the first one to tell you, I am nothing. I am no one. I'm just a country hick from Texas. But I took the limits off of God and what God wanted to do, and God has exploded his ministry. So this is what he told his staff. He said this, we see ourselves a certain way, but we have to change the image if we don't want to limit God. I didn't know how long it would take to change the image of what I was incapable of doing, a week, a month, a year, or even longer, but I was determined to change it and start seeing myself doing what God told me to do. So here's what I'm telling you this morning, okay, here on January the 15th, 2023. I don't know how long it's going to take for this to kick in. I don't think it's going to take that long. The image has already started to change on the inside of me. Now, what I'm going to talk about the next couple of weeks is the important of your the importance of your imagination and being able to vision have vision for what God has called you to do okay just little nugget the reason we keep God limited is because we don't see ourselves doing more you got to change that and that's what I'm in the process of doing right now is changing that so I'm, I'm going to say this to you, all right? And I've said things like this in the past by faith, but I'm saying it to you, buckle your seatbelts because we're fixing to go on a ride and we're going to have a good time. Anybody want to go for the ride with me? Okay. All right. That's what we're going to do. And uh, that's what God is going to do. And, and, and I, 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 I have such an excitement and anticipation in my spirit, uh, because of what God is getting ready to do in and through our church. All I'm looking for is some people that'll say, hey, I'm with you, let's go. And I believe that's all of y'all, amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. Lord, it was more important for me to declare these things than necessarily for your people to hear them, although I know it did them good to hear these things. But Father, I know, I know what the revelation is in this. And Father, we make the decision right now, I publicly declare this and I make the decision before these precious people, part of our church, that I'm taking the limits off of you from now on. That Father, I am broadening and enlarging the vision that you have given me, not only for the ministry that you've called me to, but Father, the ministry of this church, what you've called this church to do. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare before you all of heaven, the angels of heaven and every demon and the devil in hell himself, that we will accomplish what you have called us to accomplish 
Our days of smallness are over. And Father, I thank you for that. I praise you for it today. Lord, I'm excited. I'm excited, God, because I know you're a big God. You have big dreams and you want to accomplish a lot because there are a lot of people that need to hear the word of God. And so, Father, I thank you for stirring my heart. Thank you for loving me enough, Father, to work on the inside of me like you have over the last couple of months. Thank you for the last 40 years, but Father, I'm ready to get after it. I'm ready to get it done. And Father, I thank you. I praise you, Father. I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. Lord, quicken in them where they have limited God in what you are wanting to do in their lives and in their families, in their households, in their businesses, on their jobs, Father. And Lord, may my experience be a testimony to them and challenge and encourage them to reach higher, to go deeper, to go farther than they ever have before. I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. I believe that for every single person under the sound of my voice right now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for every person that might be in need of healing. I thank you, Father, for the healing power of God that is manifest in this room right now to flood every single physical body that's in need of it. I command every pain, every sickness, every disease to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for ministering to to your people. I thank you for peace. I thank you for joy to rise up on the inside of each and every one. Father, I thank you, Lord, for ministering to families, ministering to loved ones, Father, for those that are seem to be off and not serving you, Father, we call them to come back home in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for 2023 and what you have in store for us in this year. I don't think we even have a glimpse. And Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. And I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.